I wish these problems were taught about at school because then we could actually get somewhere with solving these problems. We need more young people to know about these problems and understand them and be interested in them and then innovate around them and solve problems. Welcome to Croptastic, the Interplant Podcast, where your host, Shelley Aronov, explores the global future of agriculture and food. In this episode, we're joined by Rachel Lee, a 15-year-old wunderkind and co-creator of the Techno Gypsies podcast. Rachel chats with Shelley about her path to developing her own gene editing project. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Croptastic. Today's guest is Rachel Lee. And Rachel is uh, one of the most exciting guests we've had in a while because she's still in high school working on genetically engineering crops. And Rachel, it's really great to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much, Ellie. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. So let's start. Um, tell us more about yourself and also tell us about the Knowledge Society, which is how we got connected. I, I want to hear more about this journey and how you got into it. Yes, absolutely. So my name is Rachel, and I'm a 15-year-old activator at a program called the Knowledge Society, or TKS for short. So uh, TKS, it is a human accelerator program for teens. I like to think about it as Olympic-level training to make change makers out of teens instead of like the Olympics for, for athletes. So at TKS, we are exposed to like some of the most emerging technologies in the world, and we're kind of encouraged to use these technologies to solve some of the biggest problems in the world, like climate change, uh, poverty, equality, all of these really, really big problems. So for TKS, every week we have a session where we have these incredible mentors who are entrepreneurs and innovators themselves. And we are with like like-minded kids from all over the world who are passionate about solving these huge issues. So we learn a lot about technologies, but we also learn a lot mindsets, how to have a mindset like a change maker. And we learn a bunch of different of these mindsets. One of them is something like boss mentality. One of them is like embracing failure, all of these different mentalities that can help you to actually become a change maker. And right from the beginning of the program, I was kind of drawn to um, like, like to agriculture. Maybe it was the foodie in me. I'm not exactly sure. But as I learned more about agriculture, I began to like to realize how incredibly important agriculture is for individuals to obviously farmers, but also like communities and cities and like our entire world. Um, and I was just, I ended up doing a lot of research into the agriculture space. For example, access to food is like one of the leading causes of conflict in developing countries. And sure. it that just creates like this endless poverty loop, which is so hard to break, which I find so crazy. I personally see egg as one as, as like one of the most important, if not the most important thing in our entire world. And as I learned more about egg, just by like reading a lot of research papers, networking like crazy, um, talking to experts in the field, watching videos, you know, just consuming all of this content about agriculture, I began to see a lot of holes in our agricultural system, I guess you could say. And there are a lot of holes in our agricultural system. So like how we transport crops thousands of miles, um, like into a grocery store and it just sits there. Um, like all the pesticides that we use, which harm the soil and the atmosphere and are energy intensive to make. And I was looking a lot at this through the lens of how can I use agriculture as a tool to make a big impact in the world, specifically for developing like developing countries. So like I decided that I wanted to do something to help solve these problems. Uh, like, and specifically I wanted to create more food for people in developing countries. So that's kind of my backstory. 
I guess, with agriculture. And from there, after I learned about all of these different holes in our agricultural system and got super, super passionate about creating more food with egg, I kind of got into the whole GMO space. So I've been, since the beginning of the program in September, I've been researching a lot into GMO crops and I've created a full plan of a new strands of like a strand of maize or corn, because corn is one of the, it is one of the staple foods in the world, right? Wheat, rice, and then corn. And these are the three major crops that literally everything that you buy is made out of. And corn is especially important in Africa. It's like a, it's a staple food in Africa that is eaten at every meal. And it's super important as a source of income and a source of food, but there's just a bunch of different problems with maize. So that's kind of how I got into this research about maize and then ended up creating this idea and identifying these different genes, which can be used to help create a transgenic strand of maize that is like pest tolerant, heat tolerant, weather tolerant, like droughts, all of these different things that I hope will help to like increase crop yield. So I'm still in the ideating phase of my maze project, but I'm hoping that next summer I'll be able to get into a lab and actually test out some of my like ideas and to see if these genes that I've identified, if they actually work and who knows what goes from there. I would love to see my idea if it works actually commercialized so that it could actually start providing food for more people. That's amazing, Rachel. So, so much to unpack Let's start by, so was GMO or genetically engineered crops, was that one of the topics that was brought to you? Well, not exactly. The The first session, how I kind of learned about in, in TKS, when I learned about gene editing, it was like a session which was just called gene editing. So we learned about like primarily CRISPR, you know, what CRISPR is, how it's used. And GMOs was something that's my directors touched upon. So we kind of like heard a little bit about GMOs, but I think mostly the the things that we talked about in that session was more just um, like healthcare specifically related, like drug delivery, Mm -hmm. uh, those kind of healthcare focuses, I guess. GMO was kind of touched on, but I think I, again, I was kind of thinking it, how can I make the most impact? And I knew that there was like a lot of innovation going on with gene editing in the healthcare space and in spaces like those. But there, like, there is a lot of obviously innovation with gene editing, gene editing in egg, but not as much that I saw as in things like healthcare. So I kind of heard about it a little bit through that session in TKS, like our weekly session. It was focused on gene editing, and then I just ended up going down a massive rabbit hole for like months on end, reading research papers about GMOs. So kind of heard about it in that session, but dived into it a lot deeper on my own. Yeah, this is incredible. I mean, just the fact that you do all this research you you do not sound like you're 15 I still sound I mean I've seen you so I know it's true but it's shocking I keep thinking how proud your parents must be I mean my daughter uh, turns out this way I'm gonna be so proud Uh, but also the fact that I mean look genetic engineering is not simple right Um, I personally don't do it myself we have a team of people that do it that have all had um, you know so much education usually a PhD many times a postdoc how did you feel empowered and just not afraid to start digging in? And, and did you actually start transforming crops? Did you buy DNA kits on the internet? You can do that, I know. But have you actually done all that stuff or are you planning to do that next? Yeah. So I guess to answer the last part of your question, I have bought a few CRISPR kits online, which were a lot of fun. Uh, there's a company called The Odin and they sell, just like you mentioned, like 
CRISPR and genotyping kits. So it's super crazy. You just like go online and you can buy it. And I got this genotyping kit, literally like an Amazon parcel at my door. And I used it to genetically modify like a sample of bacteria to survive in conditions that it normally can. So it was nothing really to do with my maze project or the like GMOs that I'm really interested in. Uh, I've done two of those kits and they were just to kind of learn more about how CRISPR and gene editing works like hand on because I only know really about it theoretically. So yes, I have done those kits. And as per the first part of your question, like feeling empowered, I think there's definitely a lot of imposter syndrome that I have experienced throughout this. I know that at at the very beginning when I literally knew nothing, because as you said, gene editing is so complicated. Like still now I will read research papers and I'm literally looking up terms, every sentence, because I don't know what they mean, but that is the only way that you learn. And I, you have to kind of, it's, it's a very humbling experience because I don't know anything, um, like don't know like enough yet, but I'm getting there. I'm not, not a postdoc. I'm not a PhD student. You know, I don't have the same level of knowledge there. So it's kind of quite humbling to know that. And I think you have to, all of us, as we're learning new things, we have to kind of accept that right now I'm still at the beginner's kind of ideating stage. But what really kind of kept me going was just knowing this end goal that I had. I know that I want to make an impact and I want to create a crop that can produce much more food for people in developing countries. So on days when reading research papers is really hard on days when, you know, I'm, I'm really experiencing that imposter syndrome. And when I feel super out of place, when I'm in meetings with, you know, professionals, when I'm interviewing people on my podcast that are like, have a crazy level of knowledge, it's super, super easy to feel yeah, kind of out of place. But I think that you have to have, or at least for me, the thing that kept me going was just having that that end goal in mind, knowing that it's something bigger than that, knowing that I want to help make a change in the world, that kind of helped me to keep going through these days when it is really tough. And there's a lot of those days. So, well, yeah. I mean, you can become an expert in the fears in anything. And I have a feeling you're going to be an expert in many things in your life because you're willing to tackle those challenges and learn. And that's really the point of it all. And there's another advantage you and I spoke about this offline, um, but it takes sometimes the problem with the insiders is that they know too much. Usually too much just means that usually in, in my industry, it means they think that the way that things have always been done is the way that things will happen. Um, but there's another problem that I think about more globally with you is that people are just afraid um, and don't believe that they have the power, the ability, the influence to change the world. And we spoke about this, that, that, doesn't make any sense, right? We need people to believe just like you believe. And hopefully a lot of other kids out there maybe hear this or someone hears this and shares it with their kids that any one individual can make change. Um, It takes a lot of effort. It might not happen the first try, but if you don't try, then you're never going to get there. How did you get to this? How did you come up with this mindset of wanting to take risks, not being afraid, challenging yourself, believing in yourself? Is this something that you were raised with or is this something that you always had in you? I don't think I always had it in me. I don't believe that we're all born with these mindsets. I think that mindsets are something that you can develop and it takes time and a lot of practice to develop these mindsets. But I'd say that where I learned about them most is just being surrounded by super inspiring people who think that way. Like I've talked to 
quite a few people who are doing things that are actually changing the world and they are making impacts. They have companies and startups that are making huge changes in all of these like massive issues in the world. So I think that where I kind of picked up these mindsets most is just by surrounding myself with people who think this way. It's kind of like that saying the five people you spend the most time with, that's like the combination of you, right? Or no, you are the combination of the five people that you spend the most time with. So I think that just spending time with people who think big, who dream big, who have those mindsets, like they're embrace failure, like anti-fragility, like unconventional thinking is a big one. I love too. you know, thinking differently. That was where I definitely picked it up the most was just by talking to these people and being with people who have these mindsets. This, this is incredible. Um, <laughs> here's some other, as I was thinking about this episode, because this is obviously different than what we usually do. Um, there's a topic that I've been thinking about for a long time, and I figured finally I have the guest that I can explore it with. And that, that topic is my perception that there's not enough education about what agriculture is. Right. And I, I understand that happened because uh, actually I'm not even sure why <laughs> it happened. Right. Maybe because so few people farm in developed countries. Um, it's really surprising to me now that I think about it. But the point is, we don't really know what agriculture looks like. Right. And agriculture is not having a, a garden in your backyard. Agriculture is industrial agriculture that feeds the world with its benefits and its downsides and everything that comes with it. Tell me something from your experience so far. What what is uh, how are you introduced to agriculture, and how did you then learn what agriculture really is? That's the hard thing is that there's no one definition for agriculture, right? Agriculture can look different in so many different, so many different shapes and forms. But how I was introduced to agriculture, I still remember the podcast. I forget I forget the exact title of it, but it was an egg tech podcast and I was listening to this one person he was just talking about like vertical farming and how vertical farming could completely transform the way that we do agriculture and that podcast it highlighted a lot of these holes that we have both talked about in our agriculture agricultural system oh it's a tongue twister <laughs> um things like just the amount of space that is used obviously the energy used the energy output um fertilizers pesticides and that podcast was the first time I kind of knew or kind of opened my eyes to see that agriculture is much bigger than I ever thought. I remember, you know, we all have walked into grocery stores and you see all the food on the shelves. And it's so easy to think that that's all that goes into creating this food, because in the Western world, we don't really see the see the back end of what is happening to actually create that food, right? We don't see, maybe it is gene editing seeds. We don't see the farmers. We don't see all of the land used to make that piece of meat that you are eating, or we don't see all the energy that is going into it. Like we don't see any of these things in the Western world. We just see that food on the shelves. So that podcast was kind of what sparked my interest in agriculture. Cause I kind of learned about these big problems and I learned about how interconnected these problems are. It's not just the space problem, like the amounts of lands that crops use. It's so interconnected with all of other problems like poverty, like food security. And it's so much like political things in it as well. Yeah. It's such a complicated issue. You know, when we look into all the problems in agriculture, it's like, it can get very daunting because it's so hard to find that one 
the starting point of this problem. There's no like one solution or one way to solve it. There's also, I mean, we can also flip this and say, um, there's not a problem, there's a solution, right? Before we had industrial yeah. agriculture, we didn't have enough food. Now we have enough food. And uh, now the question is, how do we continue to improve the system that we have so that it continues to serve us the best way possible? And I think at every point of time, we have to identify the gaps. We have to identify the things that don't work. And then young people like you need to step up and decide, I want to work on this part of it. I want to work on that part of it. I want to create something that's better either exponentially or marginally, but either way better than the system that we have today. But it does start with understanding the system. And um, that's one of my concerns is really, it's unclear to me, I guess, from your answer, if you ever learned anything about this in school. It was just really you exploring on your own um, and looking for resources, which is great. But I wonder how many kids out there really do that. Uh, yeah, no, it is not taught about at school. I wish these problems were taught about at school because then we could actually get somewhere with solving these problems. We need more young people to know about these problems and understand them and be interested in them and then innovate around them and solve problems to these. But no, I, I wish we learned about this in school. I've, I've like in actual, like in the classroom, I've never learned about any sort of big problems like these and especially not agriculture because I don't even know if many people, if they even consider it a problem. You know, if you, if you say climate change, everybody will be like, yeah, it totally is a problem. And in school, we do learn about climate change, you know, not very deep into it, but I feel like in school, especially in science, we may have learned a bit about how climate change, um, just like carbon capture, a few things yeah. like that. But agriculture, a lot of people, they don't even think that it is a problem or they don't understand it. So no, we have not learned about that in school. When I think about it, because I've thought about this a lot too, how can we create more unicorn people. So like a unicorn company, right? A people that a unicorn company like a, has a billion dollars, but how can we create unicorn people, a person that impacts a billion people? And I love that. yeah, I know it's, it's so fun. I, I, it is, it's awesome. But to create these unicorn people, it does start in our education system. And it starts, I think very young too. We need to be teaching in school, young kids about food production and put all the holes in these systems. And I kind of thought about it a bit. And I think that there's kind of three key things that we need in our education system to change it, to create these unicorn people, to kind of get more exposure around the agricultural industry. So I think the first is definitely a bigger push on solving global challenges and problems because that isn't taught about it. You know, in school, you learn math, English, science, you know, you learn those main subjects, but we don't think bigger than that. It's very much in the textbook. If you don't know the answer, you flip to the back of the book, there's the correct answer. It's nothing more than that. We don't learn about really anything bigger than that. Sometimes I think of our current education system, it creates very much cookie cutter people, you know, it's, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but we all learn to think the same way. We're all taught the exact same things. And there's nothing like bigger than that. So I think the very first thing that we need in our education system is a lot more things taught about these big problems. We should be teaching kids. Like I wish I learned this sooner and I didn't have to go out and do all this research on my own. Mm -hmm. I like to be taught in school about these big problems because 
<laughs> even me, I don't know many, you know, I think about our food production system is a big problem. Climate change is one, poverty, inequality. But you know what? There are so many more problems like that that I don't even know about. So I would like to be taught a lot more about these big problems. And also through a first principles perspective, I think is really important too. Because if you just teach kids, yeah, climate change is this big problem. That can sound really daunting and you're not going to be inspired to solve it. Right, the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to be like taught through it through like first principles, right? So you need to be able to break it down to that, like that root cause, those couple root causes that contribute to this big problem. So that's the first thing we need more kind of talk and learning going around around these big problems. The second thing is more room for innovation, creativity, that sort of um, word. Like I mentioned earlier, I think school is very much it creates these cookie cutter people. We need to have more uniqueness in the people that we're creating through our education system. We need to like, I would like room to explore what I'm interested in. Like I right away in TKS, I got super interested in GMOs. So that's where I took off. But some of my friends in TKS, they're in blockchain or AI, crypto, like virtual reality, piezoelectricity, these things. But in school, like we don't really get given a choice what to learn about, right? Like you have to take the course to get a credit. And even like, I think a lot about in math, there's always that one, like whatever algorithm or equation that you need to use to get that answer. It's not even like you can think about it critically and use a different equation or algorithm that you want. So we definitely need more room for creativity. And I think once we have like more room to be creative, that will kind of lead into more innovation that we need in solving these big problems. And then the last thing we need in school is a much bigger push on mindsets. Like Shelly, we talked about this earlier about how at the end of the day, I think mindsets is really what makes like these unicorn people. That's what makes change makers. You need to have these mindsets like embracing failure, uh, boss mentality, anti-fragility, unconventional thinking. We need to learn about these different mindsets because it's through the mindsets that then we can learn to solve these big issues. And we need to think about solving big problems through these different lenses of these different mindsets. So yeah, that's the last thing that we really need in the, our education system. And sorry, that was a long rant, but no, I mean, I think it's just really great. I mean, there's so many people that I interact with, which are probably 30, 40 years older than you. And they are not, um, they don't believe that the big problems can be solved, right? We can solve one thing and then another thing will be created or just remain. And then a lot of times the conclusion is, well, if we can't solve everything, let's just do nothing at all. And and that's definitely not the direction we want to head, right? I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, how do we box this, right? Because (laughs) I have no doubt you'll be successful because of these things, right? You're smart, you're educating yourself, you're curious, you believe in yourself, you're challenging the status quo, you want to create impact. I love this concept of the unicorn people and you'll succeed because of that, right? I just wonder, as you're talking, I keep thinking, how do you box this? How do you get this to every every kid out there, right? So that they also understand that really just believe and try and think differently and solutions will come and some will fail. And some will succeed and that's okay. You're never guaranteed success. Definitely not in the beginning. It's just part of the journey. Before we wrap up, I'm curious. So let's say you continue down this path um, and even commercialize your traits, right? 
what kind of impact do you want to have on agriculture? Do you think you're going to go the way with this? Are we going to talk in 20 years and you'll still be in this industry? And then what, what would you want to see happen or what will you want to create? Ooh, that is a great question. So in 20 years, I definitely think I will still be in the egg space. I love the whole agriculture space. Like right now, like I don't consider the work that I'm doing or the research that I'm doing. I don't consider that like work and I'm doing like big air quotation marks. I just, I really enjoy doing it. I genuinely love learning about egg. I love learning about GMOs. As weird as, as it sounds, like I like reading these complex research papers. I, I'm impressed by that. But like I like it. I'm impressed by that. <laughs> Yeah, so I definitely think I will still be in the egg space and I would love to. And the impact I want to make is producing more food for people in developing countries. I think I've mentioned it a couple of times, but there's like a billion, like close to a billion people right now that don't have enough to eat. Like the leading cause of death worldwide for children under the age of five and like children, same like under 15 is actually like micronutrient deficiencies. That is crazy. That micronutrient deficiency is one of the leading cause of death for children. It's quite easily preventable. It just resources aren't readily available in developing countries. So I would like to help eliminate this human suffering and produce more food. So I would love to see my GMO kind of maze idea commercialized and actually brought out if that's the right thing. Like if that will actually create the scale of impact I want, who knows if down the line, maybe I find that it's not like that I can do something else that is more impactful. Like I don't really know right now, um, but I'm definitely That's learning more to think about it, but. right? Because as you go through the process and as you learn more, you'll find, I promise you over the next two years, you'll see another 10 different opportunities. Yes. There's never a lack of them, right? And then eventually you might decide that the first one was the right one. You might pivot the first one slightly. You might go after a completely different one. Um, I often, a lot of times I have discussions with people and they ask me about how do you get an idea to start a company? And I tell them, don't think about an idea. Think about a problem you're passionate to solve. And then you'll find the ideas, right? And you'll find so many. Well, I mean, as you know, I um, we want to support you. We want to find a way to help maybe with your project next year. And honestly, if there's other people like uh, Rachel out there, then feel free to contact us because this is inspiring. I can't wait to see, really can't wait to see what you'll, you'll, what you'll make happen. I have no doubt you're going to make some magic happen. <laughs> but thank you for joining us today, Rachel. Oh, I had so much fun. It was a, it was so much fun. Thank you, Shelly. And that's it for this episode of CropTastic. Thank you again to Rachel Lee for joining us and inspiring us today. As always, please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and please share any feedback you have with us via LinkedIn or on our Twitter account at inner underscore plant. Thanks for listening.